Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 274. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed and incredibly talented team of Strange Gruel, Bob Humble, Doc Doherty, and Rick Blaisdell. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Barney. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Good. 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 Well, it's been better, but it's going well now. <laughs> Come on, it was a little impromptu, but it worked out. First of all, we want to talk about Strange Gruel and how this anthology series kind of got created. And also we want to talk about the fact that issue four is soon to be released as well. Is that correct? It's coming. It's coming. Matter of fact, okay. that's it. So we've got go. some of the pages for the next one. I wanted to show Rick. This is Rick's first view of them also. So, yes, oh. this is one of the stories that is going to be in the next issue. Okay. I, I, I see a change I want you, want you to make already. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, right. that's what it's like working with Rick. You gotta be <laughs> so you're aware. The graphic designer always wins. <laughs> and so so basically all three of you do do some writing and you also do some illustration in the in, in the yes. books as well correct yes correct. Okay. Right. Well, it's like a show we all throw the stuff in and we all throw it around whatever comes out that's it that's why it's called rule that's why it's called rule sometimes it tastes good sometimes it doesn't taste so <laughs> See, that's kind of how you know, it works we, we all put our little two cents in and say change this or have our bad or you know in essence, okay. a lot of times what we do is brainstorm together like at our Marvel meetings. Used to do. Marvel yeah. used to do it. We brainstorm our, our together our meetings, some ideas, and then maybe step away and, uh, you know, one of us will take it on and turn it into a, uh, maybe an outline. Then somebody turns it into a script. So it's kind of fluid. Sometimes it's a little conversation that starts it, and then sometimes it's a... Um, a full-blown thing right there. We talk it right through and get the whole story right away. Right. And these are kind of almost as an inspiration and an homage to like the 1940s and 50s horror comics, correct? Uh, definitely that. But for me, the original conversation Warren. was with the Warren. But yeah, Creepy and Eerie as a, um, as a starting point. It was one of my real inspirations uh, especially looking at Reed Crandall and Angelo Torres and all the greats at those first four or five issues. And mm. ever since then, that's kind of what we wanted. I, I wanted to do. And I kind of dragged these guys along with me. to do. No, this was his, he was on it too. And so bit. this, so this basically started as um, thread magazine was, it was the inspiration of that back in 1996. That was the first step. Yes. That's okay. Rick's genius pulled that together. We had done individual stories, uh, you know, kind of on our own. And then Rick was the one who got the inspiration to put it together in a, you know, in a real nifty format. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. These are almost like uh, the newspaper adventure strips of the forties uh, and fifties of, you know, Johnny Hazard and Steve Canyon and the Europeans would turn that into more book instead of the newspaper uh, strip style. So we were copying mm. literally the European use of the book for adventure stories. Mm. Strange Rule is much more of horror 
Zones as opposed to these are straight, almost straight adventures. Yeah, and Twilight right. Twilight Zone was a big inspiration too. I think you know, completely, completely. Story oh, you know, the, the, the late fifties, early sixties, Twilight Zone, uh, One Step Beyond, uh, Outer Limits. In fact, there were a number of a lot of them just forgotten by now. You know, nobody even knows, even heard of them anymore. And you're right. Mm. You watch that at the early uh, you kid. You didn't want to go to bed any, anymore because you were afraid to go. <laughs> and they won't if they read Strange Girl too. <laughs> Our job is to keep people from going upstairs. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, but just like those, you never cross the line into anything other than simple, right? Strange and hard. Right. You know, the, we we don't go anywhere past it. It's like a, it's like a signpost. That's the end. Right. So, so talk to us a little bit about this, how the creation of Strange Gruel happened and what's the, what, what's the process of how do you get each issue put together? Well, I'd like to leave that to Rick to begin with because he was the one who kind of made us make that next leap. So, Rick, what was your thought process in, in building the first book, the first Strange Gruel? Well, we had discussed doing uh, Thread Magazine again, and we even actually considered calling it thread again uh but i wanted a little more esoteric title i guess you'd say uh and i also wanted to explore possibly doing doing it in color uh and having that option i found out about the, the amazon thing uh, the self-publishing on demand thing so that kind of brought everything together and these guys, these guys have been doing comic book stories for years. So we had a collection of comic book stories that we wanted to, you know, do something with. So I thought, well, why not create a, uh, an anthology in a paperback form? So that's okay. kind of how it all came together. Yeah. So, Rick, what were some inspirations of some of the stories that you actually produced for A Strange Girl? Um, well, like, like. Bob and Doc said uh, Twilight Zone, <clears throat> excuse me, was a big inspiration. So we've always liked those twisty ending, you know, O. Henry type stories, um, Creepy Magazine and other inspirations. So they've been writing stories like that for a long time. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always been a big Poe fan as well. So that whole genre of... I, I don't know. I guess you'd describe it as horror, but it's not the horror that people have nowadays with the blood and the gore and everything. It's more a psychological horror and, and strangeness. Uh, so, you know, those kind of stories have always inspired us. It's the unusual. It's mm. Twilight Zone-like. Some of those were scary and horror. And some, and some of them some were of them just, were, just strange. Yeah, they were just strange stories or they were, um, uh, uh, you know, like... Um, uh, morality plays in which there's a twist at the end where somebody gets yeah, a yeah, justice. Yeah, it's, it's all Henry. What, yes. what, what we're looking at is what the uh, rise of literacy back in the 18, you know, latter part of the 19th century, these stories became real popular. You know, like O. Henry, and then you look at the Sherlock Holmes stories and Saki, yeah. even Poe. Mind you, I say Poe started it. You could say that. So we're doing these kinds of stories in which it's not hard in the sense of somebody getting their head chopped off, but hard in the sense of somebody getting their just desserts when they thought they were getting away with something or whatever, whatever, whatever. I'll say, if you watch those old shows, that's pretty much how it worked out. Yeah. You get to the end and the police have got their hands on your shoulder. You know, those, those <laughs>
those that write the story, are you also the ones that illustrate it, or do you take turns writing and illustrating um, each each other's stories? The mix. It's well, it's also you, well, we try to do it. Who, you know, if I'm telling a story about Paris or something that I have a feel for, then I would do that kind of a thing. But if you're going to uh, like uh, the uh, Austria-Hungarian story here, maybe Humble would be more suited to that kind of a thing. It's it's interesting because. In essence, a lot of times we try and design. It, it's funny. I remember reading an interview with Archie Goodwin, and he said, you know, those first couple of, of creepy magazines and, and eeries, he began to write for the artist he wanted to do it. And that's kind of what we end up doing also. So, you know, we're like, um, like Doc said, if there's something that has a. I'm a, I'm a film noir guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a big city guy and I like uh, big city shadows. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're doing a Western, don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. <laughs> and then Rick, of course, is our designer. So he's the one who actually, you know, may may do some layouts for us and say, uh, as a matter of fact, I got a sample of that here. What what this story is that we're we're including is a, and I'm not really sure how to say it, it's a redo of a redo of a redo. I wrote this story a long, long time ago. And yeah, I, I thought it was kind of middling in, in, in its success, but we had it. And so what Rick did was he put overlays and redid re some of my yeah. compositions. He redesigned it. Huh. And then I put it on my light board and redrew over top of it in my style. And now I'm inking it. So Rick kind of added his design perfection to it. And also Rick is the one that makes kind of the... Um, you know, I think some of the stories are 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 from him because they they fit his sensibilities also. Right. So he'll put a story in there that way with a twist that he wants. Right. Now, yeah, it's like is, so, they tend to be the most successful stories too. The ones that I <laughs> haven't even. <laughs> we we let him think that. We do let him think that. <laughs> do do all of you basically? Um, make this as an as an homage to the the, the pulp comics of the forties. Um, I think you guys definitely have a sort of an homage um, mentality, uh, which I have tried to sort of incorporate in the design I do. Like I was telling you, Barney, with the uh, with the uh, old paper scans that I'm using in in the backgrounds <clears throat> of a lot of these stories is kind of was inspired by that, trying to give it an old fashioned feel. Hmm. And also too, with the, with the three of you, do you feel as though there's some sort of like educational aspect of this to kind of like make sure that, you know, newer generations of, of, of comic book readers um, can start to appreciate this, uh, this type of work as well? That, yeah. It's yes, a moral sir. lesson for parents. Don't let your kids read this because the, <laughs> it will be horrible for them. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. I think, it's <laughs> I, I think that what I find in, in Europe, especially in the uh, French or the Southern European market is that they have a love affair for these guys going back almost 50 years. Hmm. American uh, comic strip guys and also the European guys like yeah. uh, you know, uh, John Giroux. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also, you know, we have this discussion a lot. There is a, I don't even know how to put this. I think there's a, there's a general, 
and I don't want to say it the wrong way, but th there's a general malaise in the world. Like everybody has a mm. dark view of everything. And you will often see people, which I find very funny, when they, you know, they're going to do a sequel to a movie, they'll say, this time we're going to add darkness. And I'm like, well, you can't get any darker than you already did it. Uh, so we kind of see it the other way around. I like, I, I see it that way. I like the indemnification, and, and Doc has, has coined this term, indemnification. Most mm. stories that we see from the past or from those eras had an indemnification to them. In the end, there were just desserts or right. there was or a society, Or society, society was back where it started. Society is back where it started, despite the, the, the big turn it might have made. And I think... I think that's lacking in, in a lot of what people read or see today. And I'm hoping that if we make it attractive enough in the, its look and its format, that people will begin to see that a story can have an ending that doesn't necessarily end positively, but ends mm. indemnified, where it's balanced. Yeah. It comes back to balance. Yeah, Ring, uh, read Ring Lardner or Theodore Dreiser or some of those guys in the... Uh... You know the lost generation of uh, about a hundred years ago, and you'll see that they would get pretty close to pretty pushing scary it. Pushing, pushing it. it. But then at the end, they would say, "Okay, I, I close the door. We're back to back to normal again." Yeah, and that's, yeah. those are the kind of stories we're trying to tell. You don't want to say, "Oh boy, I burned the house down. Everybody's happy." Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> I, I want to save like kid on the top floor. I want to save grandma. That's right. That's right. I'd also like to make this point before I forget it is that there are not only short stories in this. There are oh, yes. picture puzzles right. and humor. So it's a collection of a lot of different things. Um, yeah, but you got to use your brain and get how to read, too. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of call it, it's like a almost a comic book Twilight Zone with a little bit of highlights for children thrown in. <laughs> yeah, why not? There you go. A Monty Python as well. So... <laughs> But it's, it's a harmless. real eclectic mix of stuff. Right. It's harmless. It's harmless. <clears throat> yeah. At no time no, you... is, is, is your world shaken. At no time. Mm. It's like watching Wizard of Oz. It's all a dream. Don't worry about it. Mm. <laughs> it's not real. Actually, Wizard now, of Oz is a good example. What ex right. Wizard of Oz is a great example of a way to tell something that is both frightening and adventurous and... Um, Le it, it teaches, friendship, right? It teaches lessons like friendship and that kind of stuff. Yet at the same time, it is a fantasy, you know, a kind of a mm. fun thing that you want to do again, even after it scared you in the first time. Exactly. So, how does this work? With like, do you guys kind of script something out, and do you do you edit each other's scripts to say, hey, you got to put something near the end of this, or you're you you're kind of starting slow on this script, or how do you do you two do the three of you edit each other's scripts before you actually start doing like pencil to sketching things out? Rather than say edit, I'd just say suggestions, and then it, yeah. we yeah. usually we, leave we, it up we, to we the, got the creator. Food on the table. We got a glass of iced tea. We just talk. That's all. Yeah, we talk. Talk a lot. <laughs> As you can do, tell. And I, you know, I think Rick put it well. It's a matter of if a story is someone's story, it's theirs. Mm. However, we, we rely on each other's perspectives to yeah, add. We trust subtract. each other. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're going to tilt it. In certain we're kind of like the, the Beatles of the comic book industry. You know, we, yeah, we write our individual stuff, but everybody can. I take that back. We're not like the Beatles. 
And so, uh, what what were the the three of you? What was uh, what was what is what one particular story that one of the other that one of your others um, wrote that you really loved a lot? Oh, I like Sanguine. I thought that was pretty good. I wrote a story for Doc and called and but it's 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 a short story. It's not in Strange Gruel at this point, so it's mm. more of a short story. But I wrote it with Doc as the main character as a young artist in Paris, because it's just okay. like him. And of course, there's a murder mystery involved in it. Yeah, along St. Martin's Canal, you guys. Yes. So that was one thing. Just... I, my, my favorite from, from um, Rick wrote a really good one also. Yeah, uh, I, liked, I liked the one Rick wrote about the um, escaped convict. Yeah, that's this track. That's that one, there the one he's go. holding up. I thought, he, I thought that was an excellent story, and it really had a really nice twist in the end. And um, it's in which book? Is that two or three? This is two. It's in two. It's in book two. Book two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Me, I like well, the plot. I mean, I like to look at an idea. I look at a place and say, okay, now you put those two things together. Where is this going? But this is a real co collaborative effort. I mean, sometimes, oh, yeah. Yeah, <clears> sometimes one of us will just get an idea. We'll and we'll brainstorm. We'll say. Hey, I got this idea about this uh, convict that escapes prison and he goes searching for his old girlfriend. Right. What do you, you think about that? I want this twist ending to it, and and then we'll talk about it. And this and Doc will say, uh, "You could have him, uh, you know, say this." And Bob will suggest something, and then maybe one of us, like in this case, I went back and wrote the script, handed it to Bob. He did the the artwork handed it back to me, I colorized it, you know, did all that stuff. So it's a back and forth. Right. And so do, do you do you all say when you write these scripts out that every story kind of has to have some sort of like, as you mentioned, like a um, a meaning or a theme or a lesson at the end, like the, I think the as an homage to these 50s? The yeah. I think Bob Bob's stories tend to have a... They do. A, a moral lesson to them or a lot of his stories actually are maybe the story of a villain, but somehow it twists around that he gets his just desserts in the end. Uh, I, I've, I'm maybe not quite that, um, I don't know what you call Moralistic. it, no, lesson oriented or, uh, as long as it's a decent story, you know, I'm more like a Poe, I guess. Not nearly as yeah, good. But but yeah, but uh, to me, more atmosphere and, and interesting stuff going on. What I was going to say is that if you look at the, uh, the Sherlock Holmes series, you'll see that a lot of times he doesn't turn the guy over to the police or he doesn't do certain things, but the person is punished anyway. Meaning that Conan Doyle does not say, well, well, you know, I did my job. I'm going home. No, I, I have to make sure that society is okay. Hmm. Poe's ideas are, are the, uh, you know, the dreams of uh, somebody who uh, has a nightmare all the time. And it's okay. That's okay, too. You know, that, that his uh, stories are nightmarish. So they don't have to make sense at the end. You know, it's interesting that you said that because... You know, one of the things we, we talked about Twilight Zone as an in, as an inspiration. And really, you could look at Twilight Zone and say the same thing. You can say 
you know, if you wanted a, a morality tale, it was most likely written by Rod Serling himself. If you wanted a horror story, it was going to be by either Matheson. Richard Matheson or what was the other guy's name? I can't think of the other guy's name. But they Beaumont. were the, that's it, Charles Beaumont. They were the they were the scary guys. They're the ones that did that. And then you had uh, Earl Hamner Jr. writing the kind of fantasy in in the um, bucolic fantasy kind of things that happened. So yeah, I think we each have a perspective, and it does influence the other's stories every now and then. Mm, right. How has the three of your stories and art styles um, evolved and changed? based on the fact that the three of you are working together now? Hmm, that's a that good question. That's a good question. Well, first of all, I was always the guy who liked hard shadow. This guy Still taught me water. shadow. This guy has made me more shadowed. You know, he likes to draw, but he likes to draw it out. Me, I like to, just like uh, Bonnie Wrightson, you take that big brush and as, as Joe Cooper used to say, it can't get dark enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he used to say. You know, keep putting it in there. Keep putting it, it in. It, it can't get dark enough. So, yeah, I think I've picked up a lot more shadow, um, uh, um, uh, shadows and shading as a result of mm. working on his stuff, uh, especially inking his work. Yeah, I use the German expressionistic shadow across the face and uh, across the body. So all you see is parts of a uh, head coming out of the darkness. You know, it's like watching those old German films of like uh, Caligari and things like that. And Rick is about composition and elegance to me. So he's the one who can often take a panel and say, no, why don't you why don't you have him look over the person's shoulder or do it this way? Yeah, more cinematic. So he's going to actually influence, he's influenced me that way by making me think more in terms of camera angle instead of just drawing. Well, like I was saying, Barney, I started out as a filmmaking major. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. We're meeting these guys and it all went to hell. <laughs> yeah, we, we threw him down with us. We dragged him down into the gutter. <laughs> And, and, and so I'm just how, it's all how you tell that story. He was so promising at one time, and now look at him. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about this contest that you guys have on your, your website. Is this still something that is that people can still oh, go yeah. into? Yes. It's still there. It's still there. We need people yep. to go to it though. <laughs> we do need people to go to it so we're so glad to meet you barney because, because maybe it'll send some people there which would be nice yeah so talk to us a little bit about what the contest is go ahead rick that one's yours uh it's a sketch that i got out of well actually there's two sketches i got out of uh bob's sketchbook here. Or do you have one there? Good. You got one. one of Bob's sketchbooks, which has hundreds and hundreds of <laughs> illustrations in it. Wow. So I just took a sketch out of one of his sketchbooks and decided to make a contest where the, anybody who submits uh, a title and then a short description about what's going on in that picture can, and then what if we uh, we'll pick one, the, the best one, and include it in our next book. Okay. So you That's can have cool. your uh, your work, your name uh, up in the published in our book. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, 
people can order book one, book two, and book three by going to strangegruel.com and being able to order them directly right now? No, they'll send you to a link where you can buy them on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Okay. You can go through Strange Gruel and it'll send you directly to an Amazon link. Right. And, and this is a f- fantastic deal. Like it's for 11 bucks. You can get a 64 page full color That's comic right. book. Yeah. And you better order it soon because the prices are going up. As I told you, the on-demand price to print the books yeah. is going up a little bit. So we right. might have to make a minor adjustment to the, the price. Mm. Yeah. But it won't be a major. It might go up a dollar. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. And so if, if people want to learn more about your works, guys, where, where, where's the best place they could go to? Strangegirl.com. Doc has his work here. Um, uh, at uh, So Charles Doherty. Dot Weebly. Dot. Doherty. 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 Yes, Doherty. Okay. All right. All right. I said your name wrong at the beginning of the show. Then too. Sorry, about Sorry about that, Doc. Don't worry about it. We'll I was in Doherty. Okay, that makes sense. Charles Doherty. is actually yeah. pronounced throat warbler mangrove. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old Monty Python joke. Yeah. <laughs> Something and then Bob, you're at you're at robertthumble.weebly.com. That is correct. I've got some some paintings there. Yeah. And a few other types of illustrations. I think Rick put the 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 um, put some sites together very nicely for us also because in the There's past I've done sparking. a few other things. Oh, okay. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I've I've done. Um, uh, I used to do a, a history article for my local newspaper, and I've got a few of those posted in there too. And then some of my more bizarre paintings he's put up there too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And then Rick, uh, you're at rickblaisdell.blogspot.com. Right. Yeah. And all of those links, for those that are listening and watching, all of those links can be found at strangegruel.com. I got to say, guys, the, this work is is amazing. I love the homage, um, as was mentioned before the show. I love the 1940s and 50s horror comics. And, yeah. and like the three yeah. of you are bringing it back. It, they are – it is – this this literally is a love letter um, to the comics from the from the forties and fifties. Oh, we appreciate that. That's amazing yeah. praise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that is that's wonderful play. We were hoping to make the people think that or want that. So I appreciate you saying it. We really do. Yeah. And and Barney, your check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Confederate war bonds. You got it. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's perfect so guys you need to come back on again um once you have like uh issue four coming out come back on this has been great great fantastic thank you for having us we love it this is a great time barney it's great meeting you and meeting someone who's keeping the comics conversation going through tough times so i really do appreciate it's very nice to meet you you know yeah you can all meet and and see the crowds and you know and talk to people right yeah somewhere right close to Somewhere right, right next to Pittsburgh, right, Rick? Is that the Pittsburgh? <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Hey, I'll even go to Pittsburgh. I do. 
Heck, I'd love to go to Vermont. I've never been yeah. to Vermont. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I've been to the, the upside down state. The upside down. Yeah, yeah but which one? Which one is upside down? <laughs> oh, they all were yeah. like that. All right. You know, I, I did want to, I did an entire interview with somebody and I didn't even have the, I didn't even have my mic on. So it was, um, <laughs> so yeah, this is, yeah. Ah, there they are. I see them. Oh, good. There, go. there they are. Hello, Barney. Nice to meet you at last. There they are. How's it going, Bob? Hey, Doc. Wow.